This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. My cadence on this message is going to be chop-chop because i got a lot to say in a little bit of time. That'd be all right with you? So, Father, we love you so much and thank you for your blessing in this house today. God, we're grateful for these, your people, that have come, Father, to worship and honor you, Father God, not only in giving but with their lives, with their voices, and everything that is within them. Thank you, Father God, for those watching online that have joined us here today. And God, may we all have an attentive heart, a hearing, listening ear to what it is that you have to say to us today. And God, I thank you that as revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit comes, that Father, it'll set the captive free. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. All right, you may be seated. God bless you. And turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. While you're turning there, I'll mention to you, I tell you, isn't it uh, such a wonderful nation that we live in? Nine of you think so. How about the rest of you? Don't you think this is a wonderful place to live? I don't know that we really realize how wonderful. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the United States. Years and years ago, uh, 13 colonies came together, and um, they, they banded themselves together and signed the Declaration of Independence from the British colonies. And, of course, uh, you know, actually, uh, there was a lot of blood that was shed because of that. Actually, started three years before that in 73. But, uh, you know, they, they feared God. And that's the wonderful thing about it is, is that the whole thing was led by a bunch of God-fearing people. And they were tired of the tyranny of government, essentially. But, you know, you have to always remember that our freedom was paid for in blood. And it wasn't just then, you know, we've we experienced civil wars, we've world wars and others, you know, all of which uh, men gave their lives for freedom. And so it should always be remembered that the day we celebrate today is because people were willing to give their life so that you and I could be here today and do what we want, go where we want. I mean, you know, all kinds, say what we want. I mean, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing. Now, we hear a lot of people, not so many a lot. It's really a small voice of people that are saying a lot of ugly things. Uh, You know, there's more that be with us and be with them, by far. But yet, somehow or another, they seem to have, you know, the biggest voice uh, because of different things and so on and so forth. So, So let your voice be heard. I said, let your voice be heard. Don't allow yourself to be marginalized by a bunch of people who are blind, ignorant, and corrupt. Are you with me? Amen. Now, we're not holding it against them or anything of that nature. I mean, they just need Jesus. Amen. And so thank God we can rejoice in what it is that he has provided for us. And we can celebrate the 4th of July that represents freedom for us as a people. Hallelujah. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look with me in verse 23. For I have received of the Lord, Paul speaking here, that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus... The same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Now notice this in the King James, which is broken for you. Some Bible translations won't use the word broken, but it seems to apply and it really doesn't take away from the context of it. He said, we could say it this other way. He could say, this is my body, which is for you. And that's really the important point, that his body was broken. Upon it, stripes were born for you. Then it goes on to say, this do in remembrance or as a memory of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it again in memory of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show or declare the Lord's death till he come. How many of you know he's coming? I said he's coming. So as we receive communion today, what it is is it serves as a marker as to what it is that he did for us when he became our substitute and died for our sins. But not only that, it reminds us that he's coming again. 
Praise God. So then again, it goes on in 27 to say, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, or we could say in an unworthy manner or irreverently, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that drinks unworthily or in an unworthy manner eats and drinks damnation or judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. You know, communion is about remembrance. And communion is also about sacrifice. And that is the sacrifice of the life of Jesus Christ. Now, we talk about it in the context of remembrance. It's just like what we're doing this weekend, you know. We're remembering or we're celebrating something that happened 246 years ago when men declared their independence uh, from, again, the British colonies. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning, though, is discerning the Lord's body. Everybody say discerning. Discerning the Lord's body. You'll notice in that text that we talked about there in verse 29, if you go back and look at it with me, um, notice it says this. I'm sorry, I uh, turned my page here. Well, no, I did not. Notice it says here, For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks judgment to himself. Now notice, not discerning the Lord's body. So, you know, I think about that a little bit, and I ask myself, well, what does that mean? What's it mean? You know, because I don't want to be found at fault not discerning his body. Isn't that right? Okay. So by definition, the word discern means to show insight or showing insight and understanding. In other words, you kind of got a grip on things. To be discriminating or, again, understanding. To evaluate carefully, to distinguish and to judge. Now, there's two thoughts of consideration I want to give to you this morning, the first of which deals with the actual context here, that if you read into the whole body of Paul's um, narrative here, uh, these were men and women that were coming to church with no regard to actually the table of communion. There was food that was available, and basically they were eating and drinking and gobbling it all up so that the poor who really needed it didn't even have a chance. So in other words, their reason for coming was totally outside the realm of what communion is really all about. Does that make any sense to you? Okay. And so he is talking about that in the context of all of this. And, and um, they, they uh, again, not recognizing the body of Christ. And not only that, but communion being observed with reverence and recognition and thankfulness. In other words, they were being essentially very loveless toward the people that were around them. Are you with me? And thank God we don't want to do that. Can you say amen? So, you know, um, obviously they were thinking only of themselves. And so the Apostle Paul, when he got to write it, he rebuked them for that. You know, they're just in it for themselves. You know, a lot of times, unfortunately, people, it's just all about them. Again, sometimes it gets rather quiet when we talk about these things, but praise God. It really is. So, <clears throat> and not only that, but the other aspect of that, which is not really what I want to get into, was is that there was, you know, there was, there was no self-judgment about their own lines. And, and how many of you know that when you don't judge yourself, then divine judgment comes? You know, people, a lot of times, they see things happen in people's lives, and they, they think, well, you know, for crying out loud, I mean, they were a good person. I mean, how come this or that or the other? You don't know the heart of every person. And I'm not trying to suggest this morning that everything, you know, um, treacherously or, 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 or badly that happens to people is, is um, God at all. I'm not trying to suggest that at all. Some people say, well, you know, I got some bad stuff going on in my life. There must be something wrong in my life. Well, you ought to know that in your own heart, whether you got things right or not before the Lord. Are you listening to me? We do have an adversary, the devil, who comes to seek, uh, to kill, steal, and to destroy, and to devour literally devour people's lives. And so thank God for his word, because his word is what gives entrance or, or, or gives light to us so that we can know the truth and the truth can make us free. 
But obviously, these people that Paul is addressing, they weren't really recognizing not only the body of Christ around them, but even their own personal lives and examining to make sure that they were right with God. Are you with me? And obviously, their attitude and their approach made it clear that they weren't. But now I want to talk about not recognizing or understanding the sacrifice and the substitutionary work of Christ in his body for you. Because if you're not discerning or understanding or recognizing that, then you can miss the value of it. For example, you know, you can talk with some people and they, you ask the question, you know, well, did, did when Jesus went to the cross, did he die for the sins of the world? Did he die for your sins? They'll go, absolutely, you know, no problem. Well, if you take another step further, then you say, well, if he went to the cross and died for, the sin, for our sins, could it be that he also bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases and with the stripes that he bore, by them we're healed? Uh, I don't know about that. So in other words, we don't necessarily recognize, understand, or I guess you might be able to say embrace that reality because we don't know it, okay? So that's the reason why we come to talk about this this morning. And so again, I want to just visit with you a little bit about the sacrifice and the substitution of Christ's body for you. Look with me real quickly back in verse 24 where it says this, it says, um, the Bible says that when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, and then he said, take, eat, this is my body. Now again, listen, which was broken, what? For you. Was broken for you. And so we'll, we'll expand on that a little bit. A couple things I want to just run through real quickly when it comes to God's will and, and healing and what the table of communion represents. The first thing it's important to recognize and understand that it's God's will to heal. Now, some people don't, they don't, they either aren't sure about it, maybe they don't believe it, and then thankfully there's a bunch of us that say, yeah, absolutely, praise God. It is the will of God to heal. It's the will of God for you to be healed. Hallelujah. And we know that from the scriptures. Don't take my word for it. Let's just listen to what he said. In Isaiah chapter 53, it said, Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs or sicknesses and carried our sorrows or pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? So we see that Jesus took our place, that he was wounded, he was bruised, he was chastised, and there were stripes that were laid upon his back so that by them you and I could be healed. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, when the evening was coming, they brought unto him, Jesus, many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all that were sick. And he healed all that were sick. And he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Now, isn't it interesting in the New Testament, it makes reference specifically to infirmities, notice, and also sicknesses, but he's quoting, you know, um, um, Matthew is quoting Isaiah 53, which we just got done reading, and in Isaiah 53 in the King James, it, said, it, it talks about sorrows uh, and uh, pain. Are you listening to me? And sickness and disease is really what it means. I don't have time to get into all that. But anyway, he's quoting that same verse. And then finally also, the, you know, when Peter was writing, he said, who his own self, talking of Jesus, who his own self bear, or I should say, uh, bear our sins in his own body on a tree, glory to God, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now notice, by whose stripes you were healed. Hallelujah. So it's interesting, Isaiah talks about by his stripes we are healed as it looks into the future. Peter looks to, its, to their past 
in his writing after the cross, after the resurrection, ascension, and the seating of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And he says, at that moment in his resurrection, you were healed. So redemptively speaking, healing belongs to you. Now, it's always a matter of, well, how do I appropriate it? How do I have it as a part of my life and, and uh, experience what it is that Jesus came to give us? That's a great question. Hallelujah. We're going to be here till midnight, so pack a lunch. You know, it's not something, you know, you start talking about these subjects, and it's not something that you can cover in just, you know, a 40-minute kind of thing. But these scriptures prove this most important fact, and that is that it is God's will to heal. Secondly, the, you know, one of the, again, all of these things are important, but to understand and recognize that it is God's will to heal because sickness and disease is from the devil. There is no sickness and disease in heaven and there never will be. Sickness or disease is incipient death. In other words, the beginning stages of death. So if something isn't done, if there's no intervention, whatever it is that's been attacked by it will eventually die. And that's because of the curse that has come upon the world. But thank God Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles so that you and I might receive the promise of the Spirit. But again, sickness and disease is from hell. It doesn't come from any other place. You'll see sometimes, you know, people say, well, you know, God's trying to teach me something with this and whatever. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, they've never discovered that God's method of teaching his children is the word of God, not sickness and disease. Huh? Amen. We say, well, I'm not quite sure about that. Well, all right, work on it. Become sure. You need to become sure. And you can't get it off of mama's revelation or anybody else's. you got to have it for yourself. And thank God the Word of God will give that to you. Amen. So, sickness and diseases. Now, how do we know this? Now, again, I'm, you don't take my word for it. Let's read the Bible. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good. Everybody say good. Yeah, he went about doing good and healing everyone that was oppressed of who? Oppressed of who? No, not, not God, the devil. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. See, God and the devil are not in cahoots with one another. You know, they're not working together on anything. He's going to hell and we're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Now, another place the Bible says, Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Uh, whom Satan has bound. Look at it. Is it up there? Whom Satan has bound. Think of it. For 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. So here Jesus is making reference clearly that this infirmity, she had been bowed over, you know, she probably had, you know, some form of scoliosis or whatever and could in no wise lift herself up. He said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. All right? Of course, some people got mad because he was healing on the Sabbath day. What a bunch of idiots. You know, who cares what day it is when somebody can be set free? But nevertheless, in their arrogance, you know, they shouted him down. So he said, ought not this woman, again, whom Satan has bound all these 18 years, be loosed from her infirmity? And thank God she got set free. The Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come so that you might have life and so that you might have it more abundantly. Are you listening to me? And praise God, when you're healthy, life is better. Amen? There's deficiency when we have infirmity, when we have disease, all of these different things that we might describe. But thank God Jesus came so that we could have life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and 8, he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. But I want you to notice the latter part of the verse. It says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy. Everybody say destroy. destroy. Yeah, that he might destroy 
the works of the devil. Jesus came so you could be healed. Because, you know, sickness and disease is a work of the devil. We've seen it there, you know, when we read in Matthew chapter 8, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were, you know, uh, possessed, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed them all so that it might be fulfilled himself, took our infirmity and bear our sicknesses. Number three, we need to know and understand that God can initiate healing. You know, sometimes people get healed and they didn't do anything about it at all. You know, that guy there at the pool of Bethesda, I mean, this guy's hanging out, he ain't got a clue, you know? And, and Jesus just walked up to him and said, will you be made whole? He says, you want to be made whole? He says, well, yeah, but I got no man. You know, when the water's troubled and I try to get down in there, somebody gets in there first and I miss out on it. He says, well, stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. You know, and he's healed instantly by the power of God in a sovereign kind of thing that God himself initiated. You say, well, why do you do that? Why don't you do that with everybody? I don't know. Ask him. I don't know. It, it sure got a lot of things stirred up, you know, and, uh, and, and so there are times, you know, when God will initiate things and, and, you know, this is another thing that will happen a lot of times. God, you know, somebody might pray for a sinner or somebody like that and they get healed instantly. I mean, a rank sinner. I mean, I mean, they're just so far from God that they, they don't even know the way home and they'll get healed. And, and Christians, religious folk, they'll get mad because the person got healed. Well, why in the world is God healing them? Because he loves them. There's divine purpose in what it is that God does. And sometimes uh, at his choosing, how many of you know he can do what he wants? You know? So again, you know, when we read this, uh, uh, God can initiate healing. But we also can initiate healing for our bodies, you know, by believing the word of God. In other words, we find out what the word has to say. A prime example of that is the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible tells us when her, in her situation, when she heard of Jesus. Now, we don't know what she heard, but she must have known, number one, that Jesus was healing people. And she also must have known that people were touching him, and when they touched him, they got made whole. She said, if I can but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And the Bible says she came in the press behind, touched the master's garment, and the Bible says that virtue went out of him into her, and she knew in her body that she was healed of, as it describes, a plague. And if you've had something for 12 years, and you can't shake it, and you can't get rid of it, and you spend everything you have, and the doctors say, you're beyond medical management, I'll guarantee you, you get happy too. Huh? But virtue flowed from him into her and healed her because of her faith. She initiated that because she said within herself, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. And she was. And, you know, you go down further in verse 34, and, and Jesus commends her and says, daughter, your faith. Everybody say, my faith. My yeah, your faith has made you whole. <laughs> go and be whole and praise God, be whole of your plague. Glory to God. Isn't that what it says? Go in peace. Hallelujah. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Everybody say it together. God is in the healing business. Healing belongs to me. Glory to God. And certainly it does. So we see here that we can initiate it, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Now, here's the other thing you need to know about healing. Healing isn't always instant. This woman, she touched the hem of his garment. Boom, she was healed. Sometimes healing can be gradual, and that's where a lot of people miss it. Now we're going to get down, you know, to the short rows and really start talking about some things. You know, sometimes healing can be gradual, and what ends up happening is, is, you know, you may have hands laid on you, or somebody, you know, may pray for you, or maybe you just pray yourself, or whatever the case might be, and when you don't see a, a, an instant change, you say, well, I must not have got it. And as soon as you do that, and you accept that, you miss the blessing of God. And we'll talk again a little bit more um, about that. Now, the reason we know this is the Bible says that there were 10 lepers that came to Jesus and uh, they wanted to be whole. Well, actually, they, they stood afar off and they said, have mercy on us. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. And so they turned and 
said, okay. Well, the reason for that is, is that if a person was healed, that's what they were to do. They were to go show themselves to the priest. He was to verify the fact that they had been healed. And then they were to, you know, uh, give an offering as it, you know, as a result of their being healed. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. Now, what if they just said, we can't go to the priest. I mean, we're leprous. I mean, you got to do something here. You got to, you know, lay hands on us or do something special or whatever. No, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And they went. And as they went, all 10 of them got healed. And the Bible says that one of the 10, 10%, one, if I got healed in leprosy, dude, I'd be finding Jesus. Huh? But one. Just, I tell you what, the Bible tells you and I, believers, please be thankful. I said, be thankful. You ought to be thankful for what it is you have. You ought to be thankful for what it is that God's done in your life. Are you listening to me? And be ye thankful. So one came back to give him praise, but they were healed. So here's another thought for you. You getting all this? I told you, rapid fire, baby, uh, machine gun kind of stuff. All right, we could talk about every one of these points, you know, for a long time. But God's method of healing is spiritual. Are you listening to me? God's method of healing is spiritual, and I'll explain that in a moment. And here's another point to that, and it can be lost. I mean, you can have it and lose it. Are you listening to me? And I'll show you what I mean by that here as we go along. God doesn't heal you through your mind. You know, if you're a follower of uh, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, you know, in Christian science, you know, uh, they say that God is a mind. God is not a mind. The Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, there are some things that people can do with their minds, you know, where positive thinking and things like that are concerned, but that's not God's method of healing. He he his healing is spiritual. Are you with me? And it's also, it's not physical in the sense, you know, that you, you know, nature or something in the natural or even medical science. Thank God for medical science. Because when your body gets sick, it immediately goes about to try to get well. Isn't that amazing? That tells you right there, praise God, that, that healing belongs to us and that healing is from God. Are you listening to me? Because the way he created you, your body immediately goes and starts to do something about it. Well, sometimes our bodies can't, so we go to the doctor. And, that, you know, so then they can, you know, sometimes assist in the natural processes of your body for you to have recovery and so on and so forth. Are you listening to me? So we're not against that. Thank God for it. It's kept a lot of folk alive. Are you with me? But yet right on the other hand, healing or, uh, you know, divine healing, I guess is a better way of putting it, is spiritual. It happens in the spirit of a person. The Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So God doesn't heal through your mind in some kind of a metaphysical kind of uh, way or anything of that nature, and he doesn't heal you through me- uh, physical means. But it's through the spiritual part of your being that you obtain healing for your body. In other words, divine healing starts in your spirit. See, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when you're born again, your physical body doesn't change. Your mind doesn't change, but your heart does. Huh? So you're born of the spirit of God and you're a spiritual being. You know, when Paul was writing 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 23, he said, I pray God your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in the body. When you give up this body on the earth, man, you're not going to cease to exist. You're going to just go somewhere else. And for those of us that name the name of Jesus, we're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Ere he come, you know, before he come, I mean, if you die before he comes, uh, that's what's going to happen. Now, if you don't know Christ, you're going to wind up in hell. Now, some people say, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in this and that and the other. Well, you know, you might want to give some thought to that. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Don't take my word for it. Praise God. Take his word for it. So, so that's where we uh, understand that divine healing starts in your spirit. You know, I can have, I can get healing in my spirit 
and, and my body can say something else. It's got a different, you know, word. You're not healed. What are you talking about? You're just being silly. You're just being this. You're, now you're gone to lying, this and that and the other, you know. I mean, different things. But praise God, when you find out the truth about, and I'll, I'll explain that in a couple examples here in a moment, uh, <clears throat> because we know in our heart, man, it's mine. I got it. It may not look like it, but thank God you can just go your way believing, huh? Believe that you receive. Therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Glory to God. So you got to do your believing before you get it. Some of life's greatest forces, not some, but all of really life's greatest forces are spiritual. Are you with me? Like, for example, love and hate. You see so much hate going on in the world. It's coming out of the innermost being of hateful people. Are you listening to me? The same thing with love. Fear and faith, joy and grief. These are all spiritual forces that come from the innermost being. That's why God said, guard your heart. Guard your spirit with all diligence, for from it comes the issues of life. You know, something will come along in the fence or whatever the case, you know, and you'll be tempted to want to be, you know, get yourself over into unforgiveness. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I tell you what, praise God, don't you dare on any occasion, for any reason, for no matter what, ever, 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 ever harbor unforgiveness in your heart of hearts. You say, yeah, but I feel this way and I feel that and they did this and they did that. And that may all be true, but we're not talking about the way you feel or what they've done. We're talking about what it is that Christ did for you and the fact that as an act of your will, you can say, no, never, not going to happen. You do that. I said, you do that. Now, if you're going to be dominated by your flesh, if you're going to be dominated by your emotions, then you're going to have a real hard time, praise God, being very victorious in life. Amen. You can forgive. Absolutely. People, a lot of times they say, well, I can't. Yeah, you can. Huh? Just stop listening to your flesh. Stop listening to your emotions. You say, well, I, I just don't understand that. The Bible says the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. But see, what happens is, is that love that's in us, in our spiritual being, gets buried by all of the, you know, offenses and all of the crude and mean and difficult things that people say. That's why, again, he said, you got to guard your heart with all diligence. Hallelujah. You say, well, how do I even get started on a deal like that? Well, it might be a good place to start is just go get with God and unpeel your heart before him and let him talk to you and, and visit with you about what needs to be done. You can do that. Say, God, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to have constant thoughts about what I don't like and this and that and the other. I don't want to be a negative person. You know, faith always has a good report. And here I am thinking about this, that, and the other. Lord, I want you to help me. And you know what? He'll start doing that. I said he'll start doing that. But you've got to be serious about it. I said you've got to be serious about it. You want change to happen in your life. A lot of folks, they say, well, you know, will you, you know if you, you talk to them and say, hey, I can help you out. And uh, if you do what I tell you, will you do what I tell you? They'll say, well, I'll do it if it's easy. <laughs> Some things aren't so easy. Back in ninety. Oh, probably seven, I suppose it was. Um, I had the privilege of being able to get my pilot's license. And you know, when you get your private license, um, it's, you know, there's three sections to it. You know, you take a written test, and then you basically learn how to get the thing up off the ground and, and back on the ground. As soon as I got my license, I was so excited. I wanted to take my wife flying. She says, I like my, my pilots a little more seasoned. So she waited. Uh, thank God, you know, I'm secure and didn't have to worry about that, you know, and all this and that and the other. So anyway, one of the things that uh, as a result of that, you know, when you get your private license, you're a visual flight um, pilot. So in other words, you have to be able to see in order to do anything. You fly in the clouds, uh, statistically speaking, in 86 seconds, you don't know whether you're upside down, right side up, or where you're going. Because unless you have the instruments that are on the panel uh, that you're uh, using to be able to, you know, know what's going on. You, you don't know because you have no point of reference. Well, one of the things that a cardiologist and a bank owner say, you got to promise us that when you get your license, that you'll go ahead and get your private license. Or not private, 
but my instrument rating, which is the most difficult of all the ratings that you get. A lot of the other stuff is, is not so much. And I said, okay, I promise I'll do that. So when I got my private license, you know, when, when a person gets a, their private license, it's basically a license to learn. So not too long after that, I got started in, in getting my, uh, what we call our instrument rating or our IFR rating. Well, I had a great instructor, and one of the things he said was, is we're going to do our studies, and we're going to get this written test out of the way, and then we can concentrate on all of the, the rest of, um, you know, what needs to happen, so on and so forth. So <clears throat> he said, you study, and, and, uh, and uh, we'll do this and that and the other. And so he gave me some instructions, and, and so I, he, he asked me, he says, well, he says, uh, uh, what do you think? Are you ready? And, and, and I said, well, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I got this, you know, and uh, basically I just kind of piecemealed it, you know, here and there, did a little study here, did a little study there. He says, well, come on down, let's take a look, you know. So we go down there, and uh, he gets out a chart, and he says, what's that? And I said, ah, I don't know. Well, what's that? He says, well, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, oh, yeah, that's what that is, you know, I tell him what it is, and he goes over and says, well, what's this, what's this, what's these numbers here, you know, on this in route uh, uh, chart and, I, and then he just looked at me he says Mike he says you are not going to become an instrument rated pilot if you don't hunker down and get serious about this and I want to tell you you're never going to become an instrument rated Christian if you don't hunker down and get after some of this we got stuff in our lives, you know. I mean, it, it, it takes more than, and, and the thing about it is, is that so, so, so now we're in earnest. And we're not just, you know, hitting it maybe a, a day or so per week. No, we were doing it three days. I mean, I become absolutely, um, what do you call it, immersed in the study of how to do this. So that I don't end up killing myself. How many of you know that's a pretty good, you know, result? But the thing about it is, is the same thing's true in Christianity. A lot of people, they just kind of piecemeal. It's like they got a plate full of vegetables and they're just kind of playing with them. They're just kind of separating them around and just, you know, not really, you know, focusing on what it is that needs to be done. I'm telling you what, faith in God will change your world. And whatever it is that you got going on in your life, I mean, it could be as simple a thing as, you know, I just, you know, I, I don't have a lot of joy. I'm not very happy. Matter of fact, I'm angry. Well, God can change that if you're willing to get into the book and let the book get in you. Let me say that one more time. That all can change if you're willing. But, but let's face it, you guys, a lot of people just aren't. They're going to live with whatever it is that they got going on in their life, and so they're going to miss out. And, and, you know, I mean, there's no condemnation. There's, there's things that have happened in people's lives, and I've wondered to myself, well, I wonder how, how well I would have fared in a situation like that. So I'm not, you know, pounding anybody, but I'm telling you what, it's available to the person who wants to and is willing to go after it. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. She spent everything she had. She'd nothing better, rather grew worse. So here she is. Now she's a pauper. And she's got to come in the press behind, you know, she can't even, I think about the effort, the intention behind that. But she said in herself, if I can touch his, the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And so she did what it took. Everybody say she did what it took. She did what it took. And you got to want it, praise God. Hallelujah. And I pray God that he'll stir your heart so that that very thing can happen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything that you and I get from God, um, <clears throat> we get it first in our heart, in our spirit. Think about your salvation. Now, I walk the aisle, I don't know how many times to get saved. People say, I'll go with you. And I say, okay, here we go. You know, we walk down the aisle. And, but my heart didn't come with me. I was there. And it's dark over here. Hallelujah. Anyway, um, I was standing there, but I, I didn't bring my heart with me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, it wasn't until I brought my heart to God and said, God, I need you, and I am a sinner in need of a Savior. When it came from my heart, He showed up, and He saved me. We just drove by it yesterday, praise God. Now I'm, we're driving a motorcycle, 
And so I didn't raise both hands, which makes my wife much happier. But I gave God the praise as I made it around that corner because that's where I gave my heart to him. So the, the thing you need to realize is, is that everything you get from God, you get it first in your heart, in your spirit. Everything. 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 You know, when you learn that God wants to bless you and prosper you, it starts in here and it works its way out. Are you with me? And, and the same thing's true with everything else. So, you know, life's greatest forces, as I mentioned, are spiritual. And when Jesus comes on the scene in your life, he demands faith. Or else you're not going to get anything. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? He said, yes, Lord. That was another leper. He said, if you will, you can make me whole. If you're, if you're willing, you can. He said, I am. Be made whole. And he was. Are you listening to me? And there's other scriptures where we could look at it with regard to this. You know, like the woman with the issue of blood. He said, your faith has made you whole. Amen. You know, the, the, the Roman centurion, he said, I've never, seen, I've never seen this kind of faith any place in Israel. He said, you just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be made whole. That's powerful. Huh? But it comes out of the spiritual being of a man or a woman that causes and brings these things about. God wants to take his word and make it alive on the inside of you. So if you'll just give him a little bit of your life, allow him to be able to speak to you by the Holy Spirit, praise God, he can change everything about your life. He can change all your circumstances. He can, praise God, move heaven and earth if need be. Glory to God forevermore if we'll just give ourselves to him. Now, after all, he did say all things are possible, to him that believes, didn't he? You know, that one guy came and he says, if you can do anything, you know, help me. And the response Jesus said, he said, if I can help you. Now, it doesn't say that in the King James. He said, if I can help you. He said, all things are possible to him that what? Believes. And of course, praise God, that's true. Now, I want to use a couple of different things here um, talking about this that... Um, that it's our spirit, it's in our spirit, that, that it's recreated by God that we receive from him and, and receive from God. Now, I want to give you an example. I was, I was looking for the paper because I've got it documented, but I'm going to say back in, um, I'm going to say about 2008, 2009, I went for my annual uh, checkup. And uh, so I go in and uh, doctor, you know, does all the things they do and this and that and the other. And they basically, they take blood work, you know, to check this, that and the other. And, and then two or three days later, he called me back. And um, he said, hey, he says, you got some elevated numbers for your thyroid's concerned. He says, uh, maybe you ought to come back in here and we'll take a look at this, you know. And so I sat down with him. He says, well, how are you feeling? Anyway, I said, I feel great. And, you know, he goes, starts going down through this kind of this litany of, of symptoms, you know, that you would have if you had, had problems with your thyroid. You know, and I won't get into all of that, but anyway, um, they're all good. And he says, well, he says, you know, you got these numbers and they're kind of high. He says, I tell you what, he says, it could just be a virus. He says, uh, why don't you uh, just go and, and we'll wait 90 days, three, four months, and then you can come back. We'll take a look at them. Well, so sure enough, I went in, did the blood work, come back, you know, and it's all elevated and this and that. And mine was hyper. They got hoopo, low, hyper, you know, high. And uh, so uh, he... Uh, and thank God for medical science. I'm not, I'm not jabbing medical science, and if you need to do that, that's fine. I think that's great. But anyway, he says, listen, he says, you got a problem here. This thing is running too fast, and it's not good for you, and you got to get this straightened up. And so their, their remedy to it was to basically ablate or kill my thyroid, and then they were going to give me a pill that I would be on for the rest of my life. Seems like a simple solution to them. It wasn't one I was real fired up about. So they wanted to take, you know, and he, he goes on and explains, he says, you know, we'll throw some radioactive stuff down your throat and that'll cause your thyroid to do an uptake and we'll figure out how much we need in order to kill your thyroid. Well, just the radioactive thing, you know, that part I did do. But when the woman comes in and she's got a little lead bottle and she says, you're not going to touch this pill and neither am I, you're going to open your mouth and I'm going to put it in there. I'm thinking to myself, what on God's green earth am I doing? You with me? So I did that, and so they took the readings and all this. You know, you, you go back in, they get a gagger counter. And, yep, he's got, no, you know, whatever. No, I don't know. It wasn't quite like that. Well, so all the time, you know, I'm a word of faith guy and a 
pastor of a full gospel church and healing belongs to me. Are you listening to me? And so they're wanting me to do all of this stuff, but I'm telling you, I am smitten in my spirit, in my heart. Some, not up here, but in here. I knew I, I should not do this. Okay, now I'm not suggesting that that's, that's your case. I mean, maybe some of you have already experienced that and you've had to do things. That's not the point here. I'm talking about where, where I am, what I'm doing, you know. And so, uh, so they wanted to schedule all this. And he said, you just call them, tell them when you want to come in. They'll, they'll schedule it and away you go. And I would go and I would try to pick up the phone. And when, as soon as I pick up the phone, I put it back down again. I did that three times. Finally, I just called them, and I just said, listen, uh, I'll get back with you. And I never went back, because I knew that um, I shouldn't do this. Now, I don't know why, but does, I think more than anything else, God says, trust me. Just trust me. So this is what I did. I started getting into the Word of God in earnest. Not cafeteria style, not when it just seemed like a good idea or when I had time. or what. I got in the Word. And I was listening to a series entitled Our Inheritance by uh, Kenneth E. Hagan. And that second tape I was listening to, and the essence or the thesis of this is, is, comes from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 that says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You already have been blessed. So anyway, in the context of this, I was listening to it. All of a sudden, bam, right on the inside of me, I knew I was healed. And it's interesting because in that moment, my mind got flooded with all kinds of distractions and all kinds of things that were trying to, you know, get me away from what was happening in my life in that very moment. And I said, no, you don't, devil. And I made my declaration by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Hallelujah. So in a moment of revelation knowledge, it came from heaven because I sought him. Everybody said, I sought him. You, you know, sometimes you got to seek the Lord. Are you with me? And I had it. So I let it go, praise God. And, you know, I went in there. They ganged up on me, you know, him and the endocrinologist. You know, they brought me in a room. And, and, and it, well, I was a mystery to them because they took a, they took a sheet of uh, typing paper and they said, hold your hand out like this. And so I did. And they put this uh, piece of typing paper on top of my hand. And they did that so that on the corners, you know, uh, as a part of, hyperthyroidism, you know, and Graves' disease, basically, um, you'd, you'd be shaking, you know. Well, I, I had my hand like that, and it didn't move. And I had quite a bit of coffee by then already. <laughs> and so, literally, the doctor looked at the endocrinologist, and they looked at each other like, man, ain't this the strangest thing you ever seen? But boy, I tell you what, they put the full course press on me, man. They got up on my grill about wanting this to happen. And then I got back in their grill and said, we'll uh, see about that, okay? Amen. Not that I'm against physicians, I'm not. So don't mistake what I'm saying. Where was I in this story? Okay, so anyway, I got healed by the Spirit of God through my spirit and the revelation of His Word. The annual um, uh, physical came up. And I thought, boy, this is going to be fun. Hallelujah. Because I don't know anything other than what I know in my heart, and that is by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And I didn't have any symptoms or anything of that nature. So I go in there, and, you know, he's on the computer, you know, and, you know, he's kind of looking down through my history and this and that and the other, and he stops, looks at me, looks at that, looks at me, looks at that. He says, you didn't go have that uh, procedure, did you? I said, no, sir. And he calls me stubborn, not just because of that, a lot of other things, you know. Because I don't mind, you know, uh, being advised, and I don't mind being made aware of what it is that I'm dealing with, but I'm telling you what, I also have the great physician. You know, so anyway, he was ticked, all right, because I wasn't doing what it is that they wanted him to do. So we got done to the end of the visit, and he says, well, I guess we might as well, you know, uh, call for the blood work and this and that and the other. And I said, sure, go ahead, you know, so they take plenty. And they do all these tests and everything. And, uh, and uh, he calls me two or three days later, which is what he always does. And he said, uh, he said, well, he says, your numbers look good. I says, well, what do you mean by that? He says, well, your thyroids are just percolating along just like it's supposed to. And man, I'm telling you what, dude, I'm doing flip-flops on the other end of the phone. He doesn't know it, but I'm excited. I said, say, I said, could you send that to me in printed form? And I have it somewhere. We, 
misplaced it. Because I was healed. I tell you, healing belongs to you. Are you listening to me? So my point to you in saying that is, again, things that you receive from God begin first in the spirit. They come out of your spiritual being. But you've got to get to the place where, you, you know, the word of God is big. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Are you with me? Now, one more point. Is it really? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. One more point that I want to make to you is, is that you can receive your healing in the spirit and not have it in the natural. It'll be forthcoming, you know, but may not have it. And if you're not careful, you can lose it. But because you'll say, well, you know, I guess I didn't get healed, you know, because I, I still feel this, I still feel that, or I still feel the whatever. You following me? You're tracking with me okay here? Are you understanding me? Okay. And what I mean by that in losing it, I've used this example before. Uh, and oh, by the way, I still suffer from my insurance policies because they have it in my deal that I have Graves' disease, but I don't have Graves' disease because I've been healed. But they won't give me a preferred rate. You got to talk to them about that. Anyway, <laughs> you know. Matter of fact, I actually, uh, I asked my doctor for a written letter uh, last time we went around because they didn't like whatever, 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 you know. So anyway, he gave it to me because of the baseline that I have that maybe isn't within the context of what medical science says it should be. That doesn't mean I'm sick. It doesn't mean, you know, any of that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like BMI, you know, your body mass index. Come on. Ain't nobody can do that. I said, I, I'm telling you. He told me, he said, you need to weigh 197. I said, I tell you, doctor, right now, there ain't no way on God's green earth that is ever going to happen. I weighed 195 once when I went to Rhema because I was starving to death. But I, that was the last of that. Are you listening to me? Yeah. He said, well, how much did you weigh when you are in high school? I said, 217. He said, well, shoot for that. I thought... That probably ain't going to happen either. And as you can see, we ain't even close. All right? Where was I? Oh, you can lose your healing. That's what I was going to talk about. Now, this is unrelated to healing, but the principle is still the same. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of anything. We were, this was back in 1984 and 5, and um, you got to understand, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't have anything. I mean, we, we, we moved into this building December of 1980, and we had two years uh, before we had to, uh, uh, we, we leased it with an option to purchase it, and two years we had to do this option. And we didn't have the money, so that would have been 82, you know. So as it turned out, we assumed the loan that was on the building, that one over there where the kids are, and, or the youth, and... Um, and um, there were five other men and myself in the church that all had to go on, you know, do a signature loan for another 30, I don't know, $35,000 or whatever it was, uh, a secondary loan, you know, in order to buy the building for $150,000. So now, so that's 82, and now we're up to late 84, 85, and we're trying to get this, that building over there remodeled. And you know, I mean, it, I mean, you know, we're a small group of people. We love Jesus, and we knew that prosperity and, you know, uh, all of that belonged to us. But we were having to believe God, and we needed $40,000 to finish the building. And we didn't have the money, so here we are stuck again, you know, trying to get this thing done. So, you know, the best thing to do is go ask the Lord. And so I went for a season of prayer, praying someplace, you know, in that building as I was praying. I heard the Lord said, said to me, he says, I'll give you $40,000 in 90 days. He said it in here. He didn't say it up here. Man, I came out of that prayer room pretty happy. Now, did I have the $40,000? No. But I went to Deanna at the time when she was my secretary. I says, praise God. God is going to give us $40,000 in the next 90 days. And she looked at me and said, okay, okay. Now, you got to understand, she, she's doing the books. And the, she sees everything. And this is going to have to be God. Because history tells us that ain't going to happen. So I made my declaration to her, which, you know, and too much of a, you know, you're not really out on the limb just because you tell your personal secretary what's going to happen. But Sunday morning was coming. 
And so Sunday morning, I stood up and declared to the congregation, hey, I just want to let you know, praise God, that God is going to give us. I didn't say they were going to give us, even though they're the ones that it was going to happen through. God is going to give us $40,000 in the next 90 days. Now I'm on the hook. Huh? But I still believed it. Why? Did I have it? No. I knew it in here. See, you can have things inside you. Glory to God forevermore that come from heaven. And, and even though we didn't have them, I tell you what, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that, praise God, we were going to have that money. So I'm minding my own business. This is maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of that same week. And all of a sudden, this thought from out here, thoughts come from two different places, you know, from out here says, and, this is, and, and, and listen, this is just how sinister it was. It, it came out just like this. You don't really believe that God is going to give you $40,000 in the next 90 days, do you? Kind of sounds like that deal. Has God really said back in the garden? And just for a moment, I entertain that thought. And then I recognize where it had come from. And I just stopped. And I said, no, devil. I don't think that God's going to give us the 40,000 in 90 days. I know he is. Now, the reason I use this example is, is because if I'd have bought or bid on it, I'd have lost it. Even though God was doing this thing in our lives, if I'd have said, well, you know, you're probably right. I mean, I don't even know how that's going to happen because after all, we haven't done blah, 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 blah. So I say that to say, you know, when you're believing God for something, don't listen to the devil, listen to the Bible. Listen to the Word of God, listen to the promise of God. Stay with that. You say, well, I'm not quite there yet. Well, then go ahead and get there, and you'll be blessed. Are you listening to me? And as a result of that, in that 90 days, $51,000 came into the church. So he gave us more than enough, and we were able to finish the thing, and thank God we didn't have to live in sawdust anymore. Amen. And a lot of other great things have happened since then, and we don't have time to talk about. So I'm just telling you, praise God. You know, the Bible says, hold fast to that which you have. You know, when you get things from heaven, don't let them go. You know, the Bible talks about if you continue in the faith. Isn't that right? You know, so, you know, the devil, you know, he'll do all kinds of things to keep you from the blessing of God. Well, that's not really what the Bible says. God really didn't mean that, you know. I mean, even after all, the preacher was up here this morning, you know, and he was talking about you having all sufficiency in all things. Come on, you don't have all sufficiency in nothing. Well, just because you don't have anything doesn't mean that the Word of God isn't true. And if you start believing the Word of God, guess what? You'll start to have something. Are you listening to me? And I'm out of time, praise God, and we need to move on. Can you say amen? amen. So let's do this this morning. Let's, let's get our uh, um, communion uh, elements out here. Thank you, baby. And let's look again, if we, if we may, at the Scriptures. So if you're, if, you're, if you're needing healing, praise God right there where you're at. You can receive it. Amen. You say, is that possible? Absolutely it's possible. Glory to God. This is his broken body, and this is his shed blood, as it uh, represents or symbolizes that at least. And praise God, we can receive what things soever you desire. You say, well, Lord, I desire healing. Believe that you receive it, and you will have it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Everybody got their things? Anybody that does not have one? I know it's, you know, you got to have a, a degree in, you know, <laughs> opening a vault, but praise the Lord. Father, we love you so much. We're thankful that we can gather in the name of Jesus. We can lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We thank you for that which Jesus purchased for us on the cross at Calvary. That by his stripes, Father, we were healed. And God, as we stand before you today, we do so in remembrance of what it is that he did. 
And so, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you have provided for us and for the healing that belongs to us. And, Father God, we just thank you right now as we partake of this bread as the body of Christ that was broken for us. In Jesus' name, you may partake of the bread. Thank you, Father. And Lord, this cup that we hold in our hand representing the very blood of Jesus. Father, the covenant you made with us was ratified by his blood. He said, it's finished. And Father, there was that which was accomplished that we have yet many things to know and understand. But God, this much we know that we're forgiven, that we're washed, we're cleansed, and we have become the children of God. And for that, Father, we're thankful. And we rejoice in the redemption that we have in Christ. Help us, Father, to better understand each day what it is he's done for us. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessing here in this house. In Jesus' name. You may partake of the cup. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.